0: Hey guys, Nate here with the First Touch Football Club podcast. I know this is a little weird. I'm not talking to you on a Wednesday. Well, we're here and we're excited to offer you guys this special bonus episode. We really wanted to find a way to engage with all of our listeners out there. Find a way that we can do something with all of you guys. We love you so much and we thought that this would be a cool way to get this community together. So we launched a fantasy premier league that you all can join. So what you want to do is head over to fantasy.premierleague.com and once you're there, sign up for our league by using our lead code YMJ4KG. Again, that code is YMJ4KG and you'll be able to participate in the First Touch Podcast Fantasy Premier League. It's going to be so much fun. This episode today is a treat where we bring on a few of our friends to talk a little bit more about the Fantasy Premier League, what worked well, and how this even works, because I'm new to this, as maybe some of you are too, so I want to make sure that everyone is up to speed in the same page of how to actually play Fantasy Premier League. So, with further ado, here is today's bonus episode we
1: Welcome back to the First Touch Podcast, bonus episode edition. I am Tyler Brooke, joined alongside Nate Kanan. Nate, how are you, man?
0: Doing well. Uh, it's it's great being able to talk to you guys, not on our normal Wednesday. I'm excited to kind of dive into our subject today, talking about uh, Fantasy Premier League. It's something that's brand new to me.
1: Yeah, I thought this would be really interesting Because I played it for the first time last year. I think it's one of the big reasons I got really into the Premier League. Like I got I got pretty obsessed with this, as you know. And I really thought that it would be a lot of fun if A, we could get you involved and then B, you know, kind of try and branch this out to our listeners who have been doing a lot. They've been very engaged with us on social. So we thought, you know, it'd be fun if we opened up a free league so that everyone can play and try to learn along with you, Nate
0: you know, being your friend for a few years and watching you... Eh, friend, eh. (laughs) Just watching you um, really encompass yourself into the soccer culture. I think it actually all started with you doing this kind of fantasy league. I know you're a big sports guy in general, but I remember when you first kind of just got your toes into the water of Premier League fantasy, and that's where you really started to become a Liverpool fan and really start to get involved with certain players. And that's where... I am also excited to have this experience, you know, not only with you and our friends, but also all the amazing listeners of the FTFC podcast because we want to be able to engage with you. And I know a couple of you guys out there listening to the podcast probably. Want to start to get to know soccer a little bit more, or maybe been on the sidelines with some things. We want to give you a clear a platform for everyone to be involved and engaged, and to you know learn the beautiful game a bit further, and also have another part of it to uh, you know share together.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say I, I was very comfortable with the Liverpool squad before I was playing fantasy, but I think where this really took the next step for me is following those other 19 clubs in the Premier League. I mean, I was tracking stuff that. You know, I never thought I would. I started caring about Sheffield United. Like, I didn't think that was going to be something that would ever happen. You know, it's a great way for you to learn more about the game, get more engaged. So, you know, looking forward to this league. We thought it would only be right to start explaining some stuff as far as how this exactly works. We imagine a lot of you that might be playing with us this will be your first time. Nate and I wanted to give you a quick rundown before we bring on, for the first time ever, the first touch betting council of Drew Howard and Freddie Sund, Just a little bit about how the game is played. It's actually unlike traditional fantasy sports in America. You know, Rather than drafting players to make a team, you're given a set budget of 100 million pounds, and you're asked to create a lineup with that budget. The goal's pretty simple. Score as many points as possible during the season, and the team with the highest total at the end of the year is the winner.
0: That's where this is different is it's not really a traditional draft style. I've never really done any kind of fantasy before outside of hockey. So a huge difference there is that you have this budget and you get to create a lineup. And every player is worth a certain amount, right? So players like De Bruyne or Mo Salah, obviously being worth more than players on Fulham or Aston Villa. Your goal is to create a lineup of two goalies. You have five defenders as well as five midfielders. And you do only get three forwards where you're trying to... With the different value aspects of these players, keep that budget of, a, of 100 million. You can't stack the teams like Liverpool because you're capped out of a maximum of three players from each team.
1: So, once your lineup is set every week, you'll be asked to set a starting 11 of your 15 player squad. All those players will accumulate points during the game week, but one of your starters doesn't play. Don't worry, they can be eligible to be automatically substituted. The formation you start can be flexible, provided that you have obviously just one goalkeeper and at least three defenders and one forward. For your substitutes, they will be eligible to be automatically inserted into your lineup if that starter doesn't lock any minutes in that game week. You can actually set the order of your three non-goalie substitutes so that you can prioritize who comes in, in what order, if your starters don't play.
0: You get to kind of be flexible in some ways, even though you're drafting You know, two keepers, five defenders, five midfielders. You do get to kind of change those formations a little bit and be a little bit more flexible, considering that there might be some bye weeks or different kinds of matchups. Your players will earn points in a variety of ways. Players earn points based on minutes played, uh, as well as clean sheets that they keep, goals that they score, assists, and then something else that's called bonus points. It awards three, two, and one points to the three best players in a given match. Players can also lose points for yellows and reds, miss penalty kicks, own goals, goals conceded. So it is a bit intricate in terms of how this is broken down alongside some easier to track milestones with those goals and clean sheets. One of the biggest game changers in the FPL is your captain. This is something that I'm excited about. It's going to double your point total to one player on your team. Every week you get to choose a captain and a vice captain. If your captain misses the game week, your vice captain becomes the captain. So if the vice captain misses that week, no one in your lineup gets double points. So setting these every week is super important and vital to maximizing the amount of points you get every week.
1: You don't have to worry about your lineup being set in stone. You will have the opportunity to make transfers before every game week. So before every game week, you will get one free transfer. However, if you make an additional transfer in that same game week, it's going to cost you four points to your season total. If you don't use your transfer in a game week, that's totally fine. It can actually carry over to give you up to two free transfers the following week. That being said, you can't actually keep these stockpiling. You can only have a maximum of two free transfers in a given week. Outside of wild cards, uh, we will get into those a little bit later.
0: Another thing, too, is players' prices do change throughout the season. I didn't know this. It's going to be based upon their popularity. So whenever you do consider transfers, it's something to keep in mind. It makes sense if someone gets better as the season goes on, their price value might go up and vice versa if they're not doing as well. Uh, You'll also receive four chips that are other ways to make big changes to your team. Three can only be used once, but the wild card can be used twice once before the 16th game week, and once after. We'll get into these more later and go into specific strategies in a little bit within our conversation.
1: So that's probably a lot of information to throw your way if you're new, and honestly, that's totally fine. We'll go into a little bit more strategies and players in a second, but I would highly encourage you to go to fantasy.premierleague.com to sign up and view all of the league's rules, along with some helpful resources to build your lineup. I highly recommend looking at the scout tab. They have a lot of good articles that are very helpful. Uh, And who knows, we may provide you some more bonus episodes like this along the way to give you a little nudge in the right direction. And of course, be sure to join the First Touch Podcast League. The league code is YMJ4KG. Uh, and with that being said, we've got a great couple guests coming on in a second uh, with the First Touch Bedding Council, Freddie Sund and Drew Howard.
0: I'll say this before we begin and while we're recording still. So I just for you guys and for all the listeners out there, I'm a little bit behind the grain when it comes to all this fantasy stuff. This is all brand new to me. So I'm going to be sitting back here asking a lot of annoying, probably simple questions along the way because... I want to know and I want our listeners to know like how this works because it does seem complicated when you're not in the weeds of it. And I know after I was playing along with, uh, you know, making my squad and, you know, selecting my team, it did seem a little bit easier. So I'll probably just be sitting back here and giving you guys the reins. So we're uh, I'm very excited to have this conversation today.
1: Well, and that is a great segue into our introduction. Long overdue for two guys that have been heavily involved with, you know, bets of the week and whatnot. The official First Touch Betting Council, Drew Howard and Freddie Sund. Yo. Thanks for having us
2: on here.
0: Yeah. I know you guys take it pretty seriously, and sometimes you have a little bit of money on the line. So that that's enough for me. What's up, what's on the shirt, Freddie? It looks pretty. Uh, oh.
2: S.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, obviously, this is a so- this is a soccer podcast, so we all know that this is the Premier League trophy, right? Okay. And that we do know that these are 19 stars marking 19 first uh, first league titles for Liverpool.
1: It's beautiful. I love it. So for those who don't know, yeah, Freddie, Drew, and I started playing Fantasy Premier League last year, and it got pretty fiercely competitive. So I wanted to bring these guys on to talk some strategy. Uh, We will not be giving our full lineups just because I think that's extremely important. We try to keep those close to the vest, especially every match week. Uh, but I wanted to start with you guys, with just as far as like someone that's new to this game. What are some like general game strategies you guys might have for a newbie?
2: Yeah, I guess I'll start. I think what's what's really important to understand. I mean, a lot of I think I think if you've never done fantasy soccer, think of it like you did da- your daily fantasy leagues for the NFL. But it's you have your team for the whole season, right? So when you're putting a squad together, it's not just for one week where you can move people out. You want to understand what the fixtures are going to be like for the upcoming weeks, because otherwise you don't want to be keep swapping out player after player after player. Uh, The other piece, which is really interesting about this, is which is different than, say, fantasy football, there's really different levels of scoring for different positions right? So you have to understand what positions give you the most points and give you the most potential and you start to build out your team that way.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree, Drew. Uh, I think one of the things, you know, I've been following uh, at least the EPL for a long time, really long time, and starting to play uh, fantasy Premier League, it would like, you think you know something, right? You think like, you know, these guys, it's a totally different game, right? Mainly to what Drew's talking about, right? Is there's different point systems to each position, right? And a lot of times, the person that is the most you know, aesthetically pleasing on TV, isn't gonna draw you the most points, right? You have to play ahead for the season, for sure. I, I like to say like two to three week increments. That was like something I definitely had to learn. Just like, you gotta look three, three, four weeks ahead of time. Like international breaks are kind of your, your barrier. And then basically the one thing I figured out way too late, way too late was you need the big hitters. What was it like last year? You need De Bruyne, Derling, Aguero, right? Anybody on City or Liverpool. If you don't have these guys a quarter into the season, it's chalked.
1: The one thing I definitely want to reemphasize for newbies is that picking of a captain and how important that is every week. I think the big thing personally, like it's the obvious thing to say, but it's important to choose your best player with a good matchup and not overthink it. The only caveat I'll give on that is, like, if you think you have a couple of options to choose from, this is just a personal preference for me. What I liked to do, and I thought it panned out okay a couple times, was I'm going to go with the player who hasn't scored or assisted recently if I'm between two or three guys. I just typically think if these are big names, you know, they're essentially – I think they're due. And I think if they have a good matchup, they're probably thinking about that too, and they're probably trying to do anything to find the back of the
0: net. I guess I got two questions here. Do you guys do – any other kinds of like fantasy sports? Like, have you done like fantasy football in the past? Stuff like that, like NFL.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of laughing because I, I I would do fantasy little league if someone put it in front of me. I think. Uh, <laughs> Drew has a problem. I, I do. I do. Yeah, I do. Fantasy baseball, football, uh, golf. I'm, I'm, yeah. What do you
0: think is the biggest difference then between like a fantasy Premier League? Or like versus like, I think the most popular in in the States are like fantasy NFL drafts. Like what's the biggest difference between those two?
2: What I love about fantasy Premier League is I feel like I've been in my draft since it launched for the last two or three weeks. I have changed and tweaked my team uh, like 40 times. And what I would have told you my strategy was a week or two ago has probably completely flipped. So I was thinking about this earlier. You know, a lot of times you, you go into like, an, like a fantasy football or fantasy baseball, whatever you're playing draft, and it's really like how did you execute in, an, in the two hours? It's dependent on other people within this. It's, you have your budget. You have all the time in the world to figure it out, but you really got really to piece it all together and get it right before the first week kicks off because you're stuck with that team more or less you know until you just can make wholesale changes through and you're, you're pretty stuck with them and and so you, how does it? how do all the pieces fit together and and you really are just playing games in your head with how you want to start things off i i really like that
0: follow up to that whenever you say you're kind of dependent on other people are are you talking about because in this you get to kind of all go through the same crop right you can essentially have the same players on each team. Whereas like in a fantasy baseball or a fantasy NFL, you're dependent upon the other people in your leagues because you only get to select from what they haven't already taken on their end and you're playing against them as well too. Is that what you're kind of getting at?
2: Correct. And, and, and I think one, there's two things to understand with that. One is there's always a budget. Right. So this isn't it's not like fantasy football where everyone's always where you can make your team and no one else can pick other players. and You just take the best players no matter what at each position. It doesn't work like that. So you, you have to put together a team with the budget. But the other thing is you have to understand like how many other people own the same player. So there's a couple players we'll get into, I'm sure, uh, down the line where if you choose not to have them, understand you're playing against them, right? So like if half the league has a player and they're the best player and you just think you're going to zig when everyone's zagging, you better be right. Because chances are they own them for a reason. And if they're going to hurt you, they're really going to hurt you. And it's tough to make up ground otherwise. So you're kind of in trouble.
1: I think that brings up the next good subject, which is talking about lineup building. I think the first thing and foremost, when you're building out that lineup, you know, what are you guys looking for first and foremost starting out? Are you looking for their recent form after project restart or are you looking at the fixtures?
3: This season I'm looking at things differently. I'm leaning on on midfielders early. I'm relying on form for strikers mainly. You know, Jamie Vardy's of the world, you know, they're gonna they're gonna they normally would start a season pretty hot, right? But they just finished one. No one has had a preseason. So I, I don't really envision totally new teams. I think like lineups will be pretty similar, such as heavy on City, Heavy on Liverpool, Chelsea's gonna be a whole new team, but again, no pre- preseason so it looks to me you're gonna get your points in the midfield
1: I think one of the strategies I'm trying to go with early on at least when I was building my lineup I think a good idea for like some newer players I like to start with the high low options and then fill out mid end players after and what I mean by that start with the guys you want because you know those guys are probably gonna be expensive uh, and then try and take some time and find some real value picks and we'll get into some of those a little bit later but I think if you can start with the guys you like and then go into finding some budget guys you think have the potential. That's where you have a little more wiggle room, and finding those middling guys that can get results that may not be that expensive.
2: This is the first season where uh, you actually roll into the new year with with form in mind, right? We just finished the last campaign, uh, what a month ago, which is great for us. But um, it, it's hard to tell like what's gonna what's gonna carry over, and and what teams were checked out based on their standings towards the end of the year. We're, we're really uh, yeah, maybe not as indicative of what happens in week one. I probably tend to lean a little bit more towards like the future fixtures, especially uh, especially when I can see the first eight weeks I can start a team from scratch and maybe I'm not like substituting players out and trying to make that decision. If I have the runway where I can see, all right, well, you know, in this case, there's a couple teams that don't even start week one, which we'll get into later. Uh, but, but there's others that have a real good run of fixtures in the first, say, eight, ten weeks that you could feel if all things are equal go to the player who's got the easier run of things.
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fixtures guy. I mean, you know, especially right now when I'm building out a lineup, I want to look at those teams that have it cake for the foreseeable future. So, you know, I'm definitely taking some time to look at Tottenham and Man U players just cuz, you know, those early fixtures are pretty cake.
3: One thing I'd say to to a new player and I was guilty of this stuff when we started doing this was not not don't overthink it when you're when you're picking players you like. Right, it's it's going to be impossible right now to find you know who's going to be the sleeper or real value picks. Right, you definitely want to make sure that you have you have the main De bruynes right, your Salas and stuff like that. I remember last year I I would like not pick them early on thinking there's some other player that's going to start off hot and you end up behind, right? So definitely don't overthink it when picking players you like.
0: You want to spend the money early on, on those big names. And that seems like that's the real strategy there. Like, it sounds like what you're saying is it's better worth your while going in a little bit heavy, spending a little bit more of the, the money on those higher brow players than try and get yourself like a jack of all trades kind of
2: lineup. I think you definitely have to consider, especially this year, is you got to think about if you are going to transfer players in and out, you have to make it fit within your roster, right? So he- here's an example for you. Manchester City's not playing in game week one. Kevin De Bruyne, Raheem Sterling, those guys are all like worth $12 million. But if you build a team that has, instead of getting a, like a, an extra $12 million player that you plan to swap out for them, you may not be able to make that change in, in that you can't transfer two, you can't turn two people into one. And so you, you would really struggle of bringing that person in unless you're swapping out someone who is also worth $12 million. Either that or you're sitting on a, a, a load of money waiting to bring them in which is challenging.
0: What you guys are just talking about in terms of like, you know, you want to stack early on because you want to make sure you get ahead within the first couple of weeks. Some, and what Tyler was saying is you, you want to pay attention to those fixtures. Something that I, whenever I was going through this originally, you know, I was trying to pick, you know, some of those heavier hitters only to realize that, both Manchester teams aren't playing in the first week. There's some other notable players also not playing in the first match week as well, and that kind of threw me a whole like curveball. It's a strategy here to kind of bypass those names because you're going to miss those Um like those, those points in the first match week and then try to pick them up later on in the season?
1: I think it's tough with a team like Man U where they have a lot of easy fixtures right after that first match week, right? So I think it's got to be a balancing act. I think you got to plan two weeks ahead and maybe think one or two guys where you're like, I got this guy at this good value that's a more expensive player. But within the next two weeks, I plan on subbing him out and getting a Man U or a Man City.
2: Cup. It's really tough. So, so we're we're gonna get into chips now. One of the one of like I think probably everyone's favorite chip is the wild card chip because you can completely by playing that chip, you completely get to restart your roster, and you get it twice a year. And I would say you know the instinct is hold on to that thing for as long as you can. Right, like you always want to know if you can keep riding with the team you have better, but i don 't i i 'm not a historian, but I would say it 's very rare that you start off a, a match week one with two dynamite teams where you want to own a lot of these players, but if you have them're you 're really kind of like punting week one to hold on to the wild card and so I think you 're going to get you know typically you 'd want to hold on to the wild card, but I think what you 're going to see in a lot this year from people is the decision that they're going to wild card in week two or week three, because then they can have a, a good week one team and then get all those city and United assets, not let alone Pope at goalkeeper in, um, who a lot of people have been targeting or would love to start the season with, but the, it just kind of doesn't make sense right now.
1: You, you didn't learn anything from last year, for Drew. Didn't you and Freddie wildcard within like the first like month? Let me, <laughs>
2: tell you, let me tell you about Pookie Mania. <laughs> uh, I, I remember match – what was it? Was it the first – I think it was the second week for Pookie. So match week one, that's when they played Liverpool, right? And he got a goal, and they kind of, everyone was all nuts because they got in. And it was Pookie mania. Week two, I'm like, hey, you know, I should have got Pookie. I didn't take Pookie. I didn't bring Pookie in. Week two, he gets a, a hat trick. And, and I absolutely blew it up. I, my team could not exist without Pookie. So, I mean, I, I definitely jumped yeah. it
0: on. But you, you brought up a good point that I was thinking about as well. When it comes to your actual, like, of these lineups, like, like, you can do with your own allegiances and fandoms because you're probably going to go a little bit of Liverpool heavy, but at the same time, like, that's paying off because they're actually such a good team. Whereas, like, for me, like, you know, I'm maybe just going to take Sun because that's the only like thing that's a safe bet, it really seems. So like for your teams, are you trying to live out like this Premier League fantasy where you're going to maybe think about these players that like you're really into that you hope end up doing well? Or is it just, I'm going to leave my emotions at the doorstep and just go for what makes logical sense?
3: I wish I could live out my my fantasy and have a whole 11 of Liverpool, but luckily, you know, they, they only make you choose three. So even if I wanted to, I can't. Right, and that's what's really cool. I think what what I was gonna say earlier is really cool about being a new fan, uh, or or being a new EPL fan and getting into the Premier League. It, it forces you to watch, you know, the middle, the middle of the table, bottom of the table, um, and start getting to, you know, really enjoy other teams. and And even myself, a really big Liverpool fan, I'm forced to to watch other games and find value in other players. It's it's really really great.
1: I think the thing that made me enjoy it so much more is just finding players that were on my team and then starting to learn more about them. Cause you're watching them get results. Like that guy that you pick, you're like, I don't really know who that is, but I'm going to put him in the lineup and he starts, you know, putting up points for you. You start wanting to know everything about that guy. So I think that's what makes it so enjoyable is these guys that aren't on your team. And I think that's the big allure to me for it. Cause like, I already knew all the Liverpool guys, but when I started watching Adama Traore and his guns, just running down the, the wing, like shit like that is what got me excited.
3: Johnny Lundstrom.
1: Lundstrom. Oh, oh, Lundstrom. He, he's Everyone famous Lundstrom.
3: because of FPL alone.
2: Everybody, so the reason Lundstrom was, was so successful. So um, fantasy Premier League does, they will put people at times in the wrong position, right? So he was really a midfielder on Sheffield, but they had him as a defender, like a really cheap defender. So there's real, like, I mean, he was at the lowest price point. And he was scoring goals. He was getting points. He was, and he was – because he was playing as a midfielder. And and so, you got to always kind of try to find those niches. Um, I, I don't know if they're out there just yet. I think it probably depends on when some of these teams start uh, – kicking off here in a couple weeks to see where people are positioned but you'll you'll see some people are slotted as midfielders that really are forwards
1: getting back onto it since we had brought up chips a little bit ago uh, we explained the wild cards and the wild card strategies a little bit but i wanted to get into the other three chips and i'll go ahead and lay them out first so our listeners know what they are and then we can go into our strategies for each but you know, we're starting with the bench boost. The bench boost is pretty straightforward. When you activate that, you can only do it once per year. All of your bench players get you points as well, including your backup goalie. So that's a really nice you know, boost to your points. The second one is the free hit. This is basically a one-week-long wild card where you get unlimited transfers for that week, but once that week is over, your lineup resets to what it previously was. And then you got the beautiful golden triple captain. You get to use this once per year, and the captain you choose doesn't get double, but he gets triple points. Uh, And that can just be a total game changer for a lineup as well. Let's start with the bench boost guys. Like, when do you usually think a good time to use the bench boost is?
2: Admittedly, I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say. Here's the thing. Um, With with a budget, I'm only you know uh, 37 of the 38 weeks. I'm only playing 11 guys, right? So part of my strategy is. I don't want to put a lot of money on my bench. So a lot of times I have the cheapest options and and hopefully they play, but sometimes they don't. And if they don't, or if it's like on a flyer uh, that they may one day play, kind of like Mason Greenwood was beginning of last season, uh, it can work out. But uh, a lot of times they, they just sit there kind of stale because I don't want to spend a transfer on someone not going to be playing to get them in. So sometimes you just got to roll with what you have. I think if, if you do have a situation where your bench works itself out and, and a majority of those of uh, those guys will be playing, you might as well use it. I don't know if there's like a real strategic time to use it, but that, that's just kind of me.
3: When thinking about it, I think the best time at the at last match week would be like an ideal time. And mainly because if that's if you're in a position where – you know, you can win it or beat the guy you have a side bet with or whatever it is. Um, you want to put yourself in a position a couple weeks before the last smashed week, and then you can throw your bench boost out there. It's really, really hard otherwise to like forecast the time you're going to use a bench boost. It's really an oh shit chip.
2: For context, with these, with these chips, the bench boost is probably the least valuable. So you yeah. don't want to have a ton of strategy around it, right? A good bench boost week, you might get an extra 10 points. Whereas if you, you know, we'll get into the, like the triple captain, you know, if you have a guy get uh, two, three goals, it could really uh, ignite your team and get you a huge jump.
0: It sounds like, like what Freddie was saying that makes sense. Like it's a back pocket thing to like use at the end. Like if you are in dire need of just like a certain little extra bump there to really fluff out the end of the season.
3: Yeah. Make a side bet with a buddy. Use it win some money another
1: another good thing like if you just see that your your bench is playing and you see they have some like easy matchups don't overthink that one just screw it use it although i like the side bet one we might have to discuss that one later uh moving on to the the free hit um i think this one there's definitely some more strategy to it you know personally for me i think with that free hit being able to switch out the lineup i think there's definitely going to be those weird weeks in the middle of the season where we might have double game weeks or no game weeks like kind of like week one um one thing we had kind of talked about before this episode, um, we had all kind of toyed around with the idea: what if you use your free hit in game week one? Because there's four teams that aren't playing.
2: Yeah, I, I'd like to save it. Certainly, there are going to be game weeks where there, there's double, double game weeks, and there's going to be openings, and you got to be flexible. A lot of us just wound up using it towards the end of last season as well, right? Because that those last couple game weeks, who knows who's going to be starting. Uh, you know, Liverpool had everything wrapped up. So maybe you're moving around some assets that that may not may have been expensive, but wouldn't have been starting that week on Liverpool, you know, that you can put that
3: money elsewhere and use that. Right. Brookie, you bring up a good point, though. It's really double game weeks are really, I think, the most the most valuable. If you can get most of your guys that are playing most of the your team playing two games a week and then you use the free hit. I mean, that's really its most valuable
1: time. I'm still just the thought of using it week one when there's, you know, only eight matches being played uh, and there I've always feel like the opening weekend's a little bit more predictable than some of these middle of the middle of the season games. I don't think I'm going to do it, but I'm going to think about it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to consider it.
3: it. would be, you would use it right. Like people would be using it to get the United and city players in for like week two or something like that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, and who's to say you like city for starters has a tough beginning with wolves who they lose to and, and then Leicester city right after that. And then United uh, have uh, their captain in jail or something like that. And, <laughs> and then half the, like half the players forgot how to kick a ball. That's not even a guarantee that those guys are going to produce. Right. Yeah. You know, some of it's just like, uh, what, what kind of manager do you want to be? Right. Like
2: just give away my, one of my little insights. I hate captain, uh, the player who's on Friday because if that goes wrong and I get two points or three points out of them, you know, wouldn't be three but two or four points out of them and, I got the whole weekend where everyone else still has their captain. It's a long weekend, right? So Mm -hmm. if if I can set it up so my my, uh, captain's going, say, on on Monday or Sunday, it it gives you that thing to look forward to, right? Whereas if you burn everything – early you don't maybe have that bailout
1: last but not least everyone's favorite the triple captain again this is another one where like if you've got a team stumbling into a double game week it's so tempting to want to go with a sterling in a double game week i think one that i remember freddie brought this up last season i I really liked the strategy like there's going to be a team this year that's going to play like absolute shit like Norwich. When you have a stud on your team that's going to go up against that this year's Norwich, like how, especially if it's like a home match, like how do you not triple captain them? Then?
3: Triple, like you mentioned, Brookie, triple captain is really your best performing player in a double game week is kind of when you want to use it right now. Last year, Jamie Vardy against like Watford was a lock and uh, it did not go well. Did, I, I think he got subbed off at like 50 minutes or something like that.
2: My big mistake last year is I think the first week where they had a a match week was in the middle of the week. I just assumed that was a double match week. Yeah. <laughs> and so I used my triple captain early on Vardy. I think he had a maybe a goal, maybe an assist. Not what you really want. You know, uh, I mean, it it wasn't nothing. But... That's one thing is definitely understand what's a double game week and what's uh, you know, two, two matches in the same week. That, that can burn you. But certainty of all – if I can tell you any advice with any of these chips, definitely wait for the double game week. You get two matches for one, and so you have a much better chance. And if it lines up where the fixtures play out really well, really hammer it then.
0: And you're like looking for this double game week and you, you have a player in mind that you're saving that double uh, for that, for that triple captain for that double game week. Like, for example, you use Vardy. So you're watching who's Lester playing two times in a week and that's what you're saving that triple captain for is whenever that happens.
2: Right. So, yeah. So this season, uh, well, last season, we'll get into this in a bit, but Kevin De Bruyne was the top scoring player, right? So, uh, he is missing game week, game week one. I don't know if they've announced when the double game week will be for him, but the top player getting a double game week, that would be if you have him on your team and you if you don't, you probably should bring him in if, for this situation, if not just for this week. That would be a great example of a person you should use the triple captain
1: on. Before we get into the position specific talks, I just had to ask one more question because I think this was ultimately my downfall last season, which was you know, burning transfers using multiple transfers in a week it was my biggest regret i think i was too afraid all year to make more transfers in a game week i honestly think throughout the whole year i might have done more than one free transfer like once I, i think at the end of the day i think my strategy this year is to try and be willing to take more risks especially early on with those transfers you know i think sometimes i think i just gotta keep thinking about like you're losing four points, but is you got to think if it's worth it to sub a player that could put up like eight to 10.
3: That That's a great point, Brookie. I think that's one of the things that a lot of rookies ran into, right. was not, not knowing the value of like saving your transfer for the next week. Like for example, we're, we're talking using wild cards week one, save your transfer. You can bring in two, two uh, city players or a city United player, right. Week two or something like that.
2: If you have, if you have someone and you know, you got to spend four, I, I think I'm opposite of you guys. If you, if you have a play, it's, it costs four points. So, yeah, for context, you get one free transfer every week. If you don't use it, you get two free transfers the next week, right? So you can, it makes it a lot easier to move things around. Whereas if you only make one transfer, you got to kind of have the dollars for dollars match up, right? Um, so, But for me, I mean, if I had to burn four points and I'm bringing in somebody that I know I have to have on my team and it's not a one-week fix and I think they're going to produce for me, not just in that game week, but in the, the upcoming game weeks, it's it's worth it. And and quite frankly, I, I probably more times than not sat around after a miserable game week and I looked at Timu Puki and I said, How could I not have him? And so I was just like, take my four points, I will have him. And <laughs> and that's that just how I wanted to play. And sometimes it works and sometimes it didn't.
1: I think there was some guy in our fifty-three man league that made something like he made like 40 extra transfers or something. What the me. Like, it was kind of amazing. Like, I I think the league that we're in, for context, is this insane 53-man league, and all these guys take it so seriously. It was cool watching some of the strategies. I think that was the biggest learning experience for us is, you know, especially for those people that joined the podcast league this year, just kind of watch what other people are doing, and it might give you some tips moving forward. Let's go ahead and move into, you know, position-specific stuff. Yeah, let's let's start with those goalkeepers. Uh, Let's give our strategies and a couple picks, and I'll just go ahead and start this one. You know, you get two goalkeepers. And I think the thing I like to do, I know people like to be really cheap with that second goalkeeper. You know, personally, what I like to find, I like to find two of those middle priced goalies and see if their fixtures stagger one another. You know, if I can find two decent goalies that you know, have like Crystal Palace and then the next one has Everton the next week and stagger those, I like switching those in and out. for the Because ho- basically with a goalie, right, Like you're only looking for clean sheets. I don't know why they don't get bonus points ever. That's infuriating. But you're just really banking on those clean sheets. So that's my strategy. That being said, the guy I really like this year because I rode him pretty much all last season is Nick Pope at Burnley. He might have been the best goal in the Premier League last year. I'm really impressed with what he's done. I think, you know, a lot of that back line has stayed the same. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep riding or dying with my boy, Nick Pope.
0: Naturally, whenever I was going through this and this is being new to me and I will say like, I've really enjoyed this conversation so far because I already know like a thousand different things that I'm probably going to change from this initial lineup that I had, even though it's already in its third iteration of it. (laughs) Um, I still do feel a little confident with what I got going on with my goalies. And I'm just going to say this out here. I'm just going to actually test something in theory for a couple of weeks because I want, I've taken a Schmeichel as mine. um, And I don't know how Lester's going to do this year on paper. They should do really well, but very much to a lot of the conversation earlier on in this podcast, there was no preseason and we know the momentum that they were having uh, going on until the end of the premier league season. Wasn't the greatest. I do think that Schmeichel's one of the best goalies in the Premier League, and I think a lot of the reasons for their success, aside from Jamie Vardy, so I'm going to, you know, have him in my lineup to kind of see like where that goes.
3: To be honest, Schmeichel's not a bad pick, man. Uh, it, it's one more of the like the the, the middle of the road uh, picks. I think like to kind of to Brookie's point, I think the, the two schools of thoughts with a keeper that we saw was. You either shell out for, like, you know, your Edison or Allison or something like – or De Gea, right? Somebody that you're confident is going to keep clean sheets. But then they, they serve – they're a lot of money, and they serve no value to you if they get scored on once, right? Are um, we confident
0: De Gea this year? I don't know.
3: A little but judging that they signed a backup goalie. Uh, probably not. But, other, like, Nick Pope, for example, he, he's, he was a shot stopper, saved PKs, both bonus points, lots of clean sheets. And played for Burnley, which is a defensive team, right? He's saving a bunch of shots a game, right? Where Ederson might not touch the ball. So he's going to give you more points for much less uh, less money.
2: One other thing that I would, I would consider, uh, Freddie, I'll let you go with your pick after this. But one other thing that I would consider with, you know, you can only have three guys from a team, right? So someone like Allison or Ederson, if you're using up one of your city or Liverpool slots for the goalkeeper, you're probably leaving a lot of points on the table because then you're leaving... You're leaving what could be a really high scoring. I mean, with Liverpool, it could be at any level um, player for the goalkeeper. And and a lot of times the value of the goalkeeper um, is really just in, you know, if they can get the clean sheets um, and, and the saves. Whereas like a guy like Ederson, if he's not getting a cliche, he's probably not getting many saves, right? Because it's not the greatest de- – his best defense is just that the offense could keep the defense, uh, you know, out of trouble.
3: That, that's, a, that's a great point, to be honest. it's, it's You want to use those – you want to use the slots for the, the big teams to, for the players that get you points, right? And, and rarely is, is, like, a city or Liverpool going to get you points from their goalkeeper.
2: Right? Yeah, I, I think the only other thing to consider with this, too, is you really don't want to be in a position – like, if you can get a goalkeeper and just ride them all year, do it. Right. Because you don't want to yeah. waste your transfer on a goalkeeper when there's so many more people that are so many, so much more important to your team, you know, that are ahead of them out there.
0: Like you're not, go- you just say you're not going to get the the bulk of your points coming from your keeper. So.
3: Correct. My, my pick, you know, we discussed United signing uh, Dean Henderson, which is definitely the future for them. So, so I would. Uh, I'm gonna go with Sheffield United's replacement goalie. Then, for them, who they signed from Bournemouth, Aaron Ramsdale. For them, for for example, uh, for Sheffield United, first off, like fantastic move. Ramsdale, similar to Nick Pope, was one of the top performing keepers uh, last year. So relegated team, but defensive teams face a lot of shots, right, and, and get a lot of points. He's going to a team that can produce goals. Is a, a top half of the table team and a really, really strong defense that has only gotten stronger. So, so I, I'm, I'm really confident that Ramsdale takes that next, next step and is going to be real valuable. I think he's about the same price as Nick Pope, too.
2: Admittedly, I, I like both those picks more than mine. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Henderson, who was at Sheffield last year, he's now um, going to be up with uh, United. I don't know if he'll start. But him and Pope were the top two guys last year. The things that made them really successful is they had a really good defense in front of them. It helped create a lot of soft saves, right? So people weren't getting really good looks. They committed to the D. So a lot of these shots were coming at them, weren't hard to stop. So not only were – they may not have gotten all the, the, uh, the clean sheets, but they were getting a lot of saves, which helped add up points. Um, and so often these weren't a wash. So I like both of them. Uh, one other name I'll throw at you um, is Alex McCarthy. Um, he's at okay. Southampton, 4.5 points. So the lowest you can get is 4.0. And a lot of those 4.0 guys don't play. Uh, but McCarthy, he's supposed to be the starter. And here's why I like him. Um, it's, it's a decent defense, but the, when we talk about form versus fixtures, in the first eight fixtures, here's seven of them. Palace, Spurs, Burnley, West Brom, Everton, Villa, Newcastle.
3: All teams not in Europe, right?
2: Right, (laughs) exactly. But there are a lot of easy fixtures on there. Um, It's a really nice schedule um, so that, you know, Pope doesn't start week one. Honestly, if he was starting week one, he's one of those set it and forget it guys. But that I don't want to take a zero, I'll probably start with McCarthy. um, And then when it comes time to wild card or free hit or whatever I decide to do, I will move to a more permanent person if he's not going. But it's a tempting uh, run of fixtures to start the season for him.
3: Yeah, don't don't sleep on Southampton this year, man. With a with the coach, he after that night, what was it, nine nothing against Leicester? They're a new team now, man. Yeah, <laughs> watch out.
1: Let's go ahead and move on to defenders. This is where strategies get real interesting for me. What how I go about this, you know, I want guys on teams that don't score goals, like playing simple. You want as many clean sheets as possible on that back line, but at the same time. You want those guys that are, you know, left or right backs that are getting all those attacking opportunities in the opposing third. So I really like trying to find those bargain options that get a lot of those touches, you know, deep. I know we're going to talk about them anyway, but like we should just take a second to talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold. A little stat for you guys. His current ownership at the time of recording this is about 56% of all fantasy Premier League managers. The second highest player in all of fantasy is like 37%. Like he's about 20% higher than the next highest. It's a guy that all he does is get assists and score goals while producing clean sheets. And he's like, I think in fantasy premier league history, he's broken records the last two seasons.
2: So we talked about this earlier with the ownership percentage. If he's the most expensive player in the defense, he's worth every penny you give him. He, he will, he outscored the next best defensive player by almost 30 points last season because He'll get the clean sheets, but he'll also get the assists. Um, and, and he was a total machine. But if you think you're going to do more without him, understand that 57% of the other people you have have them. Have the best player and the best value. And it's just really – it's a, it's, it's a bet against him if you don't take him. And it's really challenging because then you got to go ahead and try to build a better roster uh, by using different money. That's going to outperform them. It's tough. It honestly, I wish he was at eight because I I, at 8 million, because I think people would have to think about it a little bit more, but coming out at that price and he, his price is only going to go up. I think he's a must have that you got to have on your team for context. He was the fifth best fantasy player in all of the game as a defender last year. So it's it's really tricky not to take it.
3: I'll be the devil's advocate there, Drew, for for a second. And maybe overall, long, long term, the whole season, Trent Trent is your main, probably one of your main defenders. He's a, he's definitely a must have. the The case I make is is uh, early season. I'm thinking three, first three, four games. I'm saying we don't put anybody on Liverpool. On defense, Trent is is has a hamstring issue. He hasn't gone preseason with the team at all. He hasn't played a single minute, and they're supposed to play on Saturday against an Arsenal team. He's probably not going to play, right? They've been playing Nico Williams. He's the kid. Probably going to hope that September 12th he's ready to go. Liverpool play Chelsea. They play Arsenal. Week two, week three. Liverpool's let in goals to them the last couple times. Liverpool's been letting in goals since the restart. So I think Liverpool may do. They're going to do well. They may win the games, but I think that defense is going to be a little leaky. Now, maybe Trent plays and he gets a free kick. He gets, a, he gets an assist here and there. Um, but I, I don't think early season the defense is going to be there for, for, for Trent. He, he, he's just hurt right now.
1: I think if you're looking at a value pick that you know plays a similar role, of course I'm not saying he's anything like Trent, but I really was interested in looking at John Egan uh, for Sheffield. You know, We just talked about how great that defense is, but they're still capable of scoring goals. It's a top-tier team. Uh, but what I really like about him, he get, does get a lot of attacking opportunities. So if you're looking for that budget replacement instead of TAA, you know, I think he's a good one to consider. I believe he's only five. So you know, it's, it's a lot cheaper and for a guy that you who know, m- might squeeze in a couple assists.
0: So here's my question or my point to this. We, we spent a lot of time here talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold. So we, I think we can admit that he's a bit of an outlier in this, because he was like what Drew said, like the fifth best player in all of fantasy. So you still have four other people that you need to select. I I see that Tyler gave us another suggestion there as well, but what do you feel is the most valuable aspect of having a defender? Because I know for me, I was having a hard time really getting a good like muscle back there. Is it just the clean sheets? If we're not going to go off of like goals being scored because Trent Alexander Arnold can obviously score goals. So you want to have him, because you're going to get those extra points. So, what is the secondary like characteristics are you looking for so, in a defender aside from like a clean sheet? It,
3: I think you're looking for assists, right? Um, for for example, like my my value pick is, is Maitland Niles right on arsenal and the reason is is because you have a new coach like arteta who likes to play with his wings up high he's a young defender he's not even a defender he's a midfielder sometimes he sometimes moves forward right that's what you're this is you know it's a game right obviously if i'm trying to if i'm trying to start a real you know a real soccer team maybe he's not my left back but he may get some assists he's on a top four team he may get so you get some clean sheets So I can get those extra points moving forward uh, up the field. Right. Not everybody's going to be like Trent and produce like Trent
2: of all the positions, (laughs) the one that you just have to sit down and watch the matches to really know who, what defenders you like or what players you like is in defense. Right. Because you'll start seeing these Mm -hmm. guys get in the offensive scheme and, and it, it could change as the season goes along, right? Like, I mean, Nate, you could tell me more, but it, it seemed like Arie would get up a lot more towards the half of the, the second half of the season, get more involved. Like uh, sometimes like Fisaka would get further up and, and right. he was kind of a nothing for, for a lot of the season. And you start seeing those things, like these guys are getting more and more involved. Like I have, to, I have to look at them. Um, I think if you chase the clean sheet, it's tough, right? Like all the points that you're chasing with defenders is tough, right? Cause, there's not a lot of assists. There's not a lot of goals. And if you chases a clean sheet, it's tough. So you just kind of want to put yourself in a good position to get points. But but know that your production's probably coming more from uh, the attacking players.
0: So it's safe to say that the majority of your spend is not going to your defensive line.
3: Definitely not. Right. But also, you know, we have to take into account the position's changed, right? Three three years ago, you're, you're looking at clean sheets. Defenders aren't, are, aren't pushing up. Big
2: picture strategy is try to find guys that are cheap but are going to play and have the potential to be on teams that get, you know, uh, good clean sheets. So, you know, I, like, for example, I have uh, Ruben Vinagre as a good value pick. Probably no one's heard of him. I had to look at the pronunciation. But but Johnny on, on Wolves is injured and so he's going to be playing for him. So this is a defender that's 4.5, which is almost as cheap as you can get a defender. But he's going to play on a team with a real good defense, right? So you could do much worse. And you, you have to spend that money one way or another. So you want to at least get guys that are going to play. Ideally, they're going to play on a team that's got a chance at a clean sheet. And then if you can – you know, then you have the premium for the guys that are going to cost, you know, that, that could get you the assists, could get you the goals, et cetera.
3: It's a top-tier top pick. For me, it's not really that top-tier. It's just – it's what I see when looking at fixtures versus form. You know, looking at fixtures early on, I, I pick Sioun Chu. I think Leicester City is the defense to pick – early on you know, based based on the fixtures and dude that guy that guy gives you 90 minutes
1: maybe a goal here and there pretty looks much like looks week. like fabio's brother or something yeah he's a rock
2: and, and he'll get up and he'll give you the headers he's a he's a real nice player yeah
1: i give, I give lester credit
3: uh, and that 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 club really for for what they did with him you know they get rid of harry Maguire for a record price right and then they don't basically don't bring a big name in and just kind of rely on a, a low money signing like see you who blossom to be in the heart of that defense next to johnny evans
0: uh so for myself and i know he was a little bit more expensive for a defender but i wanted uh kyle walker for manchester city um the real reason for that was just the the clean sheets in general like season after season he's putting up 10 plus clean sheets i just think that you know if we're going off that statistic he might be worth the money there
3: nate you you don't harbor any ill will towards kyle walker
0: no, because he has a receding hairline from cheating on his fiance. So it, karma came back to there him.
1: There he is. Oh, wow. There he is. Oh, it. my. I think my only concern with Man City players is just, like, the pep roulette is maddening, man. Like, you'll get, get a guy. Kyle Walker, man. You'll get a KDB or someone that just, you know, inexplicably comes off the bench in the game, so. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, but I don't think it's a bad pick.
2: And look, City, they score, you know, the best differential. They are a scoring machine, and there are so many guys that score that you're going to feel fairly left out if you're not involved. And if they get, you know, if you get a backdoor goal against you in like the the last 20 minutes, you're going to be like, oh my God, I wasted, I I can't believe I wasted a pick.
0: Well, we'll probably get into this a bit uh, in a second when we start talking about midfielders and forwards. And I know we're all saying like, what's your city pick? Because there's probably someone on your team that's Manchester City. I mean, it's it's worth mentioning that like there might be changes within that city lineup within the next couple of weeks. I mean, there's huge, messy transfer rumors, and I know that like some there might be several players exiting if this ends up happening. So that's just something that I've kept in mind. Whereas I think Kyle Walker's safe to stay in city and actually play the majority of the season.
3: There's a contingency
2: plan if Messi gets signed, as far as <laughs> as far as F- Just scrap the
0: whole episode and just build
2: it. Yeah, Nate and Nate really. I mean, we talk about this a lot but I, and I don't know off the top of my head, but you have to look at what, how much money you're spending on him and then look at some alternatives right? So he feels like a guy who may be worth six million, I believe something in that ballpark because of, you could get clean sheets. One last person I'll throw at you as a, as a expensive defensive asset who, who's really good is Matt Doherty. So Doherty on Wolves, he had the most expected goals. I believe he had the most goals for the defense last year and he's at six million. Um, there was a stretch where he was essential last year. I didn't, ever, I never got him, but he was essential. That's why I didn't do great. And um, Drew's a dude, Wolves fan. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, take the team. entire Wolves back line, and and we'll talk about more here soon. But um, Wolves are sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a, good, but he's a good defense, and he's, he's got yeah. more. He had the most expected goals of all defensemen. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's something to think about.
1: Yeah. Sure. let's go ahead and get into midfielders now cuz I think this is the one you're going to spend the most amount of time on your lineup for Nate like I like to spend the vast majority of my time picking and the most money obviously in the midfield. You got to pick 5 of these guys anyway and this is where I'm picking my guys usually. I just think your midfielders can make or break your lineup. I mean they're going to get a lot of assists, they're going to a lot of goals and you know even those clean sheets they still get a point and that does have an impact on their you know bonus points which, you know, those can, be, those can be pretty nice, especially when you get that extra three, two-point bump at the end of a match. Well You guys can talk about your strategies, too. I just want to give my picks real quick. Uh, Nate will be happy with the first one. You know, my elite price tag guy is Hungman Son. There's so many guys that I'm also going to include in my lineup that I'm not going to tell you guys about because I want to do better than you. But, you know, he's only $9 million and he, he just has elite pace, man. And with those run of fixtures to start the season... Like, I don't see how he doesn't get – I don't see how he doesn't produce. Uh, And then my budget pick, a guy I really started following early on uh, in Project Restart I really liked was Alan St. Maximin. He's only 5.5. He's a cheaper option. Lots of attacking returns. I believe in Project Restart he had a match where he had a hat trick of assists. So, like, this guy knows how to get involved. Uh, I just think he's a really paying option. It could be a big year for him.
2: For me, I mean, I'll go ahead and just tell you who the best player in fantasy was last year, and it was Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, admittedly – I. He was probably the best player in Premier League. Price wise. It was Jordan not-
1: Henderson. Jordan Henderson was clearly the best player yeah. in the Premier League.
2: Yeah. I am, so, so you're gonna get all your points. Uh, a majority of your points in the midfield. They're also the most expensive. I believe the most expensive midfielders are twelve million dollars. For whatever reason, Kevin De Bruyne is at eleven point five. So that alone is a no brainer. He had the pep most roulette. Yeah. Well, and that's the concern. It's pep roulette, but I really, if you watch City. It, everything came through Kevin De Bruyne. And so you, you had some pepperlet, especially down the stretch when they weren't really playing for much. But man, when De Bruyne was on, I mean he's known for the assists, but there were games where he would just he just got you could see it. And I I would tell Freddie and Tyler, he's getting mad. And he was just taking it on and he could and he could score goals. Here's the crazy thing about De Bruyne last season and, and why I'm even more excited about him this year. He led all fantasy. In points, and he only started getting on penalties in the last half of the season. Take all the potential penalty misses that City had all before coming, finally realizing the Bruyne should be taking this, and now you're putting those on the foot of him, and you can you can
3: uh, elevate it even more. It, At it, least
1: until Messi comes and starts taking PKs. But I know, I know.
3: It, it, Messi comes again. Like I mentioned earlier uh, in our in our group chat, guys, if Messi comes, where wins the golden boot. Yeah, yeah,
2: and then you know, for a value pick, um, well, I, I actually had two. I'm sorry, guys, but how they're, dare they're you? Cut, man. They're they're cut from the same cloth and in the same concept of um, you know, on city is is Phil Foden, right? So yeah. um, Foden, another guy came on strong, but the the, the attraction to him is he's only six point five million, right? I told you, De Bruyne is eleven point five, Sterling is twelve million, so those are the premium. So if you're looking for a guy, assuming he plays and it seems like he'll be the replacement for uh, Silva, he's only $6.5 million and he gets you into that city attack, right? So you can save money, put it elsewhere, and he's going to get you something. The other name that I'll bring up, who was the ultimate steal last year, I mean, especially at the end of the year, but, but same concept is Mason Greenwood on United. And so he actually last year, what was he, $4.5 million forward? Yeah. This year he's been reclassified to the, the midfield he's 7.5 million. So maybe not like a budget, but compared to, um, compared to Rashford and Bruno and all these other guys, he's a relatively cheap option. And man, that guy ended as strong as anybody else in the premier league last year. So uh, those are two guys I would target as being able to get into some elite offenses on a, on a bargain.
3: Like that city team last year was different with De Bruyne on the field with an off it. And your fantasy premier league team will be, Different with De Bruyne off it than on it as well. My value pick was Traore because he's a fan fave.
2: Guns,
3: guns baby. (laughs) Obviously, I'm looking early fixtures. They have the tough one with City, but Wolves seems to have City's number and Traore specifically does as well. He had a great season last year. He's uh, been touted by some of the top tier clubs in Europe. He's uh, the heart of that team. I think you can arguably say so. The the coach relies on him, and he he's uh, I think he's going to put up big numbers. And he's still only six point five. He may he may be on a different team come January.
0: My value pick is going to be Jack Grealish. I know that might be a little difficult. Like they're not playing the first week. I just think that he's got something to prove this season. And I think he has the potential to go off. So he's not that expensive. He's only seven. So I'm going to throw that in there with the hopes that it's going to return at a higher value. So yeah, might as well try it out. Um, and then I'm going with uh, Bruno Fernandes as uh, my most expensive midfielder, just because I want a full season with him and I want to see how many penalty kicks he's going to take and score.
1: Well, they're really good at taking and getting penalties, so that's a pretty good call.
2: Good, good point, Nate always know who's taking the penalties on these teams because that that is going to add a lot of points and add a lot of value to all these players. That's that's a great tip that I wasn't thinking about when I started this last year.
1: Yeah. And you know a lot of those guys are obviously forwards and that's where we're going to, you know, wrap up with this stuff. The strategies on forwards I think are always interesting. These guys are super goal dependent, right? Cuz that's like their entire job. And to be completely honest, I actually tend to avoid some of the super expensive guys at forward. I just I'd rather be spending that money in my midfield. Um, and you know, sometimes it gets really frustrating when you have that expensive guy who's just way too damn inconsistent up front. So, and I think that can really cost your lineup. Uh, that being said, you know, I'm still looking at one of the most expensive guys uh, at forward to start, which is Danny Yings. And it's so weird saying that Danny Yings is one of the most expensive forwards in the premier league, but the man had 22 goals this season, um, this past season, and he really turned it on is in the project restart. His form is just incredible. Uh, Value pick, and this is not me, I don't know shit about Fulham, but Alexander Mitrovich I'm reading a lot about. He's a cheap guy. He has experience in the Premier League. He is their go-to goal scorer. Their slate of games is pretty cake early on. I would love to see a Pookie-type run at the beginning, but then I'll just know as soon as he gets figured out that he's going to get shut down, so then I'll just ship him off.
2: He won the Golden Boot, I believe, in the, the championship, correct? I mean, so you're rolling in with the – the best striker to come up this year.
1: Yeah. Is it still called? I honestly don't know if it's still called the golden boot in the I, silver boot. Sure was, yeah. A,
3: yeah. He, he's, he's a great value pick. I mean, you don't even need, you don't need to know much about Fulham, but just look at the numbers. Right. And, and you should probably pick him up the way, the way I kind of saw midfielders and, and strikers in general was like, I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, I, midfielders are going to get you most points. And, and what I'm looking for in, in, in strikers this year is, is a lot more uh, form right they're the ones that are going to get you the point and you kind of kind of find out who's the guy that that's scoring week after week and and make sure you have him in your lineup early on I'm looking at using one of the Liverpool guys as as Bobby Firmino the Liverpool's first three fixtures aren't easy you know you got the champions uh, of Leeds United then you have Arsenal and then you have uh, or sorry then you have Chelsea then you have Arsenal the nice thing about Chelsea and Arsenal is that Bobby Firmino lives in their heads man he scores against them all the time so um i think he's a pretty good pick early season and um the second one obviously jb Vardy. you probably should do yourself a favor and have him in your lineup i think this is probably his last year with these legs um he relies on speed that's his style right that's that that's and you can't do that forever so yeah we'll see
2: i just wrote down bobby firmino prop bet i'm i'm ready We're going doing the hat trick, getting the hat trick. We're we're gonna we're gonna pay for all this. This is great. That's that's good good YouTube
3: YouTube Bobby Firmino EPL highlights, and it's just Arsenal and Chelsea players on the floor.
2: Oh, I love it. And then so for me, this is a guy I had on my team a lot of last season, uh, and that's Raul Jimenez. I know another Wolves guy, right? Go go (laughs) for Let me tell you why, though. So we talk a lot about rotation. This guy's out there every week you never have to worry about him being in the lineup you have to lock in your lineups one hour before the first match so you have no idea you're not getting any reports about people playing so uh, unless there's a known injury you're kind of just left hanging out there and and he's always in the lineup what the other things I like about him? he's on kicks um he's on uh, he's on a team that um you know he's got uh Traore to the wing and um uh, creates a lot for him but he creates a lot for himself, right? So, um, for example, there, there's a couple of strikers that they just really need to have the ball played into them. Like, I, I was Abraham on Chelsea last year. If, if some, I mean, he couldn't create for himself. He could finish. He had a great stretch. But Raul, every week, is creating for himself. And he's just a super fun guy to watch. Another guy that I had as a value pick, Another guy that was ultra fun to watch was Mikel Antonio, Uh, especially at the end of last season, right? So we talk about triple captains. If you would have triple captain him for the the four goal outburst in game week thirty six or thirty seven, you would have probably won your season. So he's he's six point five million. Last year he was a midfielder, scored ten goals, four of those came in one match. Uh, but he really came on strong and he, he was playing up a lot more and he looked really comfortable and he's a, he's a big guy. He may have a breakout season that we saw indicators of um, towards the end of last season.
1: My concern with that is just the fixtures early on. I've thought about it and I, I think my plan is to try and get him in later on. Uh, hopefully his value doesn't skyrocket too much. But man, those early on fixtures are just brutal.
3: I mean, West Brom first game that there's four goals right there,
1: <laughs> and, and then
3: Arsenal and Wolves, Drew's favorite team. We'll see. We the one guy we haven't talked
2: about, which which needs to be mentioned, is Timo Werner, right? So he he very well could be the best striker out there. Um, uh, yeah. he, he's the most owned striker right now. We just haven't seen it, right? The yeah. only thing that gives me pause is—is is he's coming from the uh, Bundesliga Borelli's uh, league, <laughs> and and that's an offensive-heavy league, and and I don't know what the transition <laughs> be. It may take a week for me to put him in. He is the most owned, and and probably has the most potential. I think people are most excited about him.
3: And and I would put Hakeem Zay- Zayek or in the same conversation. These are guys that are going to be Chelsea's foundation, right? These guys are going to be. And, and they're going to be in your in your FPL team. But that's a whole new team with no preseason. You know, how are they going to adjust to to to, um, to the league? Right. How are they going to adjust to the to the fixture congestion? I was shocked to see that he was the most owned striker right now. Uh, who knows if he's even going to start above Giroud and Tammy Abraham right now. Right. Like early on in the season.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that was a point that I was going to bring up. I think that Chelsea's going to be extremely competitive this year, but yet we like we haven't spent any time talking about any of those players because we don't know what those formations are going to be like. Yeah, and there's a lot of people injured. Like I know if Christian Pulisic didn't pull something or it was I forget exactly what his injury is, but like that would have been somebody that I would have been super interested in having on my fantasy league. But you know, like that, that's just something to keep in mind. It kind of makes sense that to me that he is the team of Warner is somewhat something that people really want. I'm surprised that he's the most sought after person, but I do mm-hmm. think that for anyone listening to this, that wants to take a risk on a Chelsea player, like I, I would say, go for it, but they might not get that full yeah. like points for the match play
3: and and you're right and again you have to like we, we have to understand where chelsea's at like even frank lampard can't do anything with that team that he comes in there's a transfer ban so he can't bring anybody right he just claws his way to the champions league but now he's got his team right can they start off really really strong that's the gamble right you put in timo Werner. who knows he's either getting you a goal every week early on or he's not getting a goal till week five or six I yeah i don't even be
1: playing yeah that, that, that's
0: like the, the point too. It's like every yeah. person on that squad is like earning their playing time. There's like nothing that's really set in stone there. Like I know you mentioned Giroud, but like he might not even start. Exactly. So that's exactly. that's why I don't feel confident of putting them in my lineup. But like if you have some extra money to spend, I would say like, hey, if there's someone that you can take that, that might have it, then go for
3: it. And talking to Chelsea players, I'd say Ben Chilwell is in the same boat there. Yeah. He's 100% in my lineup if he's on Leicester. I don't know if he is now with Marcos Alonso and, and and who else, whoever else they got there.
1: That's a great example of a team that could be absolutely amazing in the Premier League, but from a fantasy perspective, it's going to be really hard to figure them out. And I think that is one of the things that, like we've talked about, that's what makes this so fun. I think what Freddie brought this point up earlier, like about you know great players that may not be great fantasy players. And I think like Paul Pogba was a great example maybe a couple of years ago. Like someone Everybody I love watching. Yeah, people like you just love watching. They may not get those results, so. That's that's gonna do it for all the position recaps. Is there any guys we're missing? I feel like there's a few guys we are obligated to talk about.
3: We didn't talk Mo Salah or or Mane or anything like that. But those guys, you know, those guys are in everybody's team. We know that. That's that
2: there's a big debate about you basically just due to how much they cost, you gotta choose between Mane and Mo, right? It's coin, really dude. tough to get both of them in there.
1: Jokes on you guys. I'm not giving bonus players. I just wanted to hear what your guys' lineups were. So thank you. <laughs>
2: I mean, joke's on you. I came I came on this podcast to, to puff players I'm not going to be playing. Oh, it's all
1: smoke screens. Okay. Our smoke listeners smokes. are going to just trying to screw over the listeners. Exactly. I'm not even playing Fantasy Premier League. This year. <laughs> <laughs> I just came here to fuck with you guys. Spent been, been an hour of his day just talking <laughs> with you. Joke's no. no, on you. This
2: isn't even recording. Are we-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all the listeners for following along. Uh, hopefully this gave you a lot of insight into you know your strategies for the Fantasy Premier League again be sure to join the first touch fpl league our league code when you're searching for the league is ymj4kg Uh, even though it's a bonus episode we'll leave you the same way we always do there is no room for racism
0: Hey everyone nate here again thanks again for listening to this special bonus episode of the first touch podcast that was our fantasy premier league episode again we would love to see your name added to this list we have a good list of names so far adding your team on there will only make this Fantasy Premier League even greater. So do yourself a favor, get involved with this, head over to fantasy.premierleague.com. Once there, use the league code YMJ4KG and you can become a member of the FTFC podcast Fantasy Premier League. So love to see each and every one of you there. Love you guys so much. And with that, I know we already said it earlier today, but Especially during this time, it's more important than ever to reiterate, there is no room for racism.